Hey there, content creators, and welcome to another episode of the podcast made just for you, Videovine On Air. I'm Jenny Guy, your host of the show, and just last week, your ghost host for a very special Halloween episode of Teal Talk. It's now Q4, and Q4 can be scary. It's set up to be one of the most lucrative times of the year, but this means it's also a super busy time for content creators. Plus, there's pressure to make sure you're capitalizing on all of those opportunities. Not to worry, though. We have Mediavine's Dynamite Director of Support, Heather Tellos, on hand to share her top tips to ensure that you spend your limited time wisely and that your Q4 is filled with all treats, no tricks. You can take a closer look at all of Heather's expert recommendations in her presentation, which we've got linked in the show notes. And speaking of treats, it would sure be one for us if you'd subscribe and give us a five-star rating wherever you're listening. For now, let's get going with Heather and our best Q4 yet. You're listening to Media Vine On Air, the podcast about the business of content creation. From SEO to ads and social media to time management, if it's about helping content creators build sustainable businesses, we are talking about it here. I'm your On Air host, Media Vine's Jenny Guy. Hello and welcome, foolish mortals to another episode of Mediavine's Teal Talk. I am your host, your ghost host, Jenny Guy. Today is Tuesday, October 26th, which means that it's Scorpio season and Halloween is Sunday. You might've noticed that things look a little bit different around here today. We are going all in on celebrating the spooky season and we're so glad that you're here to celebrate with us. If you are here with us live, there are some hair raising prizes for you to win this episode. So make sure that you're paying attention and all will be revealed in good time. Again, welcome. We are so glad that you are here. And speaking of the spooky holiday season, it also happens to be Q4. And if you've been a content creator for any length of time, you know that Q4 can be a little spooky for us. It's marked by increased advertiser spend and a slew of influencer marketing campaigns. So it has the potential to be the craziest and most lucrative time of the year. But how do you ensure that your Q4 is all trick treats and no tricks this year? Leave it to my guest for today. Morticia Adams, director of support, Heather Tullos is here. After running a successful blog for the last 10 years, she transitioned to helping build and lead the Mediavine support team, kicking all the ass and taking all the names while rescuing all the dogs. Seriously though, adopt, don't shop. Heather, welcome back. I mean, Morticia, excuse me. Hello, hello, Cruella. You look amazing. As do you look incredible. I, it, You look like you're in grayscale and I am dying. Okay. Friends, as I said, pay attention, make sure you're paying attention to the screen. I won't tell you why, but you just need to be doing it. And also paying attention to everything that Heather is telling you. She's going to give us some of her top tips. If you have questions for the mistress of support, please drop them in the comments. She's going to, like I said, share some top tips in a presentation to start us off, but we will definitely be opening up the floor for your questions later. Alrighty, folks, I'm going to turn it over to Heather. We're going to get this presentation going and... Um, Let's do it. Hi, everybody. Uh, it's me. I feel like you know me. Today, you might not know me as well. Um, <laughs> and in case nobody told you, Halloween is my very favorite holiday. So I'm super excited um, that I got to work with our uh, excellent marketing team to put this presentation together. Also, shout out to Rosie for this beautiful presentation. I cannot take credit for any of it. 
Um, we're going to talk about uh, making more in Q4. I feel like it's a popular topic. We've had a lot of changes in the last year. The approach to how you're going to make some more money might be a little different than it was in years past. Um, some of our advice has changed. And so, you know, let's talk through some of the differences and some of the ways that we're going to we're going to help you make some more money. Um, hopefully I will give you a few tips and tricks that you didn't know already. Tricks and treats straight from the spooky land of money. So the first tip we have here uh, so that you can collect all the money carrots and also uh, Halloween candy is uh, to check your site-wide viewability. Is it 70% or higher? So first, let's talk about where to find that number. If you go to your Mediavine dashboard and you look at the ad unit breakdown and then you scroll down to the bottom of all the ad units that you're running. So you'll see in content ads, hopefully you'll see the universal player, scroll down to the end of that and you'll see the totals across the bottom. So you'll see how many impressions that you've run. And we'll talk about that in a minute. And, but you'll also see the average of all of your site-wide viewability. You want that number to be 70% or higher. Um, the amount of dollars that advertisers spend once you cross that 70% threshold changes drastically. And there are a lot of ways that you can improve viewability. I would say the very, very first thing is if you're using a jump button on your site, I would turn on the arrival unit like 911 ASAP. The reason that matters for viewability, but also for earnings is because of the way we load our ads. So if your reader skips over your content, we're not loading all those ads that they skipped. That would be stupid because why would an advertiser pay to see, you know, to, to serve ads that nobody is looking at, right? We want there to be an ad where the reader is jumping to. The idea is that when we don't serve all those ads in the middle that nobody sees that would slow your site down and sort of make for a poor user experience, you need to make sure that in order to have a paycheck, you're serving ads where your readers actually are. So if you've got a, a jump button uh, at the top of your content, whether it's for a DIY card or a recipe card, make sure that if you click it, especially on mobile, that there are ads where your reader lands and that there are appropriate ads. Click through your top posts. The same goes for a table of contents. If you're using a table of contents in your posts, so if you're not a craft or recipe blogger, you're not doing you know DIY tutorials for the home, you might have ways for your readers to skip around your site and you know, land on the H2s that you've set up at the top of the page. There are a couple of mistakes that I see a lot. And one is just like a table of contents that is so intense that it gives your readers too many options. When you give them too many options, they don't know what to choose. It's sort of like when you put 4,000 things in your sidebar. If they don't know what to choose, they make no choices. So you need to make sure that you're simplifying the options that they have. And I know that a lot of people will use table of contents because Google likes to pull out those little H2s sometimes. So be deliberate about that information and be deliberate about the choices that you are giving your readers, but also be deliberate about the fact that when somebody chooses one of those table of contents options, that there are ads where they're going to land, you know, and sometimes you have to do that, you know, check your top posts and push the buttons yourself. It's, it's really the best way to figure that out. Uh, Morticia, one moment. I also wanted to say that I become paralyzed with too many choices. It's like trying mm -hmm. to choose where you want to go eat. It's awful. Claudia had a really great question for us. So she said, mm -hmm. if viewability is 75% in the U.S., but overseas is 60%, what could cause that? 
Are you looking in the country breakdown? I'm guessing probably. That is a good question. I could guess at the answer, but I don't actually know the answer. Um, I would guess that probably some of it is just that your site looks different depending on where it's being served. If you're in the EU, your reader has to navigate the CMP before they can get to anything. But also sometimes you want to make sure that you're looking at your own site. So like if you have the ability to VPN or if you're in one of those countries, you know, see what your site looks like for that user because they're probably having a different experience. If you don't have a lot of readers there, don't spin your wheels. Make sure that you're paying attention to where the largest percentage of your traffic is. And, and just like we have you focus on top posts because that's where you can make the biggest impact, right? If you're looking at, you know, readers in Italy and you only have, you know, 150 readers in Italy and that's less than, you know, 2% of your traffic, it's probably not going to be the, the most return for your time investment. I'm going to jump in with one more if that's okay. Yeah. Michelle James said, and I was actually going to follow up on this. Do you recommend not including a table of contents? And if you want a table of contents, you said don't overload it. What would you consider the sweet spot? So, I mean, a table of contents is great. It's easy for your readers to navigate your post, especially if you've got a really long detailed post. A lot of travel sites really utilize the table of contents in really smart ways. You know, there's there's definitely excellent ways to approach it and go about it. I think it is, you know, handy dandy for search traffic um, and will do good things for you there, depending on how you implement it. But again, you just want to make sure you don't go wild and crazy with it. You know, sometimes I and I feel like I see this more when we are vetting sites that are applying to work with Mediavine than we necessarily do with our publishers, because you guys have probably already read a lot of our current recommendations, but I don't know that this one is actually written down anywhere. I would just say be really deliberate. You know, don't, if, if every sentence of your blog post is in the table of contents, then what's the point of the table of contents? And I have actually seen that. I've seen, you know, a table of contents employed that way. And I think it was confusing for me. And that means that it's definitely confusing for a reader. You know, circling back to viewability, you you want to, ads are only viewable. We can only like check that metric off. If we are figuring out how our users are reading our sites or and, and using our sites, um, and they do not use your, your website, they don't read your blog the same way that you do. I know that we all hope that they are very deliberately consuming our content and are carefully, slowly reading every word that you worked so hard to write down and, and edit and put together. But most of the time, they are not. Um, I'm sure you all have a few diehards, but most of your readers are skimming and they're scanning um, just like you do emails. Make sure that you are making it easy for your reader to pick out the important bits of information. And I think that's what a table of contents really helps. It really helps you to do. Um, I, I mean, your mom is probably reading all of your words. Um, yeah. So that's, yeah. But, but other than that, I would say I, I would maybe check your table of contents on a phone. And mm -hmm. if your if your reader is having to like scroll through your table, right. of if content, it leaves the one like one screen, right. view, maybe you went too far, um, depending on your font size. Uh, again, you know, it's just like there's there's it, it's sort of like have your eye out for too much of a good thing, I guess would be the best way to phrase it. Um, and then we skipped over one in the middle that I definitely don't want to skip because I was kind of trying to go in the order of uh, operations here. But jump to print and jump to video. A lot of people use those they are redundant. So a jump to print button is only going to be for desktop readers, right? If you let them immediately go from the top of your blog post, I don't know anybody that prints on mobile. I mean, I guess it's you can, but I think that the people that print recipes and don't just like cook from like a, a reader or a phone are 
probably using desktop computers most of the time. So, you know, a jump to print button is going to take you straight to a page with no ads. Um, if there are ads on your print page, it's probably like one, maybe two. It's not going to monetize in the same way that like monetizing a, like a blog post would. And jump to video is just going to take you to your recipe card, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> or your DIY card or your how-to. The video is, should be embedded there. So it's it's like redundant. It, it's like offering two buttons to get to the same place. Again, it's too many choices, but you're also giving your reader like a whole bunch of ways to lose you money, um, giving them one choice, one way to get straight to the content and then decide, do I want to watch a video? Do I want to print? Do I want to read more? Do I want to see what the next post is? Let them, you know, let give them the option and, and then let them take it from there. Okay, we had a couple more questions. So just to be clear, you're not jump to print and jump to video. We're not saying jump to recipe, right? We've got Michelle's right. question here was saying, wait, I thought jump to recipe was good because it kept people on the site who would otherwise bounce. Is this no longer there? We're not talking about jump to recipe. I'm not talking about jump to recipe. I'm talking specifically about jump to print and jump to video. Uh, but if you are using jump to recipe, arrival unit all the way. Yes. Okay. Ricky says we use table of contents on most posts. Would it be mm -hmm. worth placing the ads ourselves next yeah. to each H2 that the TOC jumps to? Nope. Uh, placing the ads yourself is never going to be as good as letting the script wrapper figure it out for you. You just want to make sure that depending on the plugin that you're using and depending on how you have your content ordered, you know, like what is the search term that is getting most people to that post? And if you click on that in the table of contents, do you get to a place that has ads? Or do you get to a place with no ads? And, and then, you know, maybe rethink the layout. If you're if you're landing in a place where you're not monetizing or if they're if they're landing in a place and there's no ads there, like that's OK. But did they stop scrolling there or did they keep going? You know, those are the kinds of things that you can figure out. And we'll talk a little bit about more in a further slide about like where you can figure that out. Everybody knows site speed settings. Turn them on. We're going to talk about them in another second. But yeah, site speed settings are super important for viewability because what they do is they prevent ads from loading until the reader takes an action on the page, right? So even the adhesion unit doesn't pop up until the reader decides to scroll, which means it's got really great viewability. Site speed settings, enable your CLS settings. I know that there is probably still a warning on the one for sidebar ads. If you're running Trellis, you don't need that one, but Everybody else, um, you're probably not going to run into too many conflicts. It was um, more an issue in the beginning when we rolled that out than it is now. And our support engineers are really good at helping with it. Morticia's hair is like really intense. You Morticia. Guys. <laughs> Looking hot. A little bit um, extra. <laughs> uh, so 36.6% of Mediavine publishers are passing for web Bible web vitals, which I think is amazing. High five, Mediavine publishers. 80% of Trellis users are passing for web vitals. Um, I would say that anybody running Mediavine ads that is passing uh, CWV, they probably have those CLS settings enabled. This is compared to just 4% of the web that is passing. Um, so you can see we're, we're kind of doing a really good job. Um, don't ignore those settings. They're on the site speed page. Um, all of them are recommended. Just toggle the little buttons. Uh, friends, you might have noticed that just a second ago, the little ticker went across the screen asking you what your favorite Halloween candy was. 
Deanna Hill was on it and said Reese Cups. Also, we love that answer. She wins our first prize. Deanna, email marketing at mediavine.com. We are going to get you a, a Halloween prize pack. And guys, that's it. Keep those eyes peeled for those tickers on the bottom of the screen. We're going to pick the first person that makes the comment and answers the question. This time it was Deanna Hill. We are so excited. All right, Heather, you ready for the next slide? I am. Universal player. You've probably seen an email or 12 about the universal player. Um, and the reason, <laughs> the reason we keep talking about it and we keep emailing you about it is because if there was ever a pretty good little money button for your website, this one is it. The universal player turning it on, it is about 10 pixels smaller than the standard video player. Um, but the real benefit is making sure that you've got the placement right, because when you get it set up right, it generates a lot of impressions. So to compare, most of the time when you're running like um, your, your mobile autoplay video, so if you have a video embedded in your post and you autoplay on mobile and you have the little sticky player, those are post-specific videos. But most of the time, your reader is not actually coming to your site to watch a video, right? Like we run those videos because they're useful, but mostly because they make us money, right? So Universal Player will just make you money and, and you don't have to put a lot of effort into it. Um, <laughs> but you do want to make sure that you set it up right. So I'm going to recommend that you toggle on the Universal Player on desktop toggle it on on mobile. And then the next setting right below that is going to be for your autoplay mobile video. Try turning that off and just trust me for like a week and see how it goes. Then you also want to make sure that you either have your featured video set to, you can set it to your up next playlist because now this setting that you choose here is only going to apply to your desktop traffic. Um, and the universal player will kind of work as backfill there. Or you can set it to none. Again, the featured video is mostly, you know, it, it's like a like a little vanity playlist. You know, we were all running it for so long. Um, but mostly it was just that we could make some money with the video content that we poured our hearts and souls into making. <laughs> you know, video production is pretty intense. So now you might be wondered about, well, what about all the videos that I was making? What happens to those? They do not get left by the wayside. Google still really loves videos. And your reader probably still really loves videos. But instead of auto-playing them, you're going to let the reader that wants to watch the video click to play it. You still have all the options to you know, convert to YouTube at the end of that video when they want to. But I think this gives you a little more freedom with your video. You have to be less concerned with making it short um, so that you can you know, try to get more impressions in there. Because that little small player, I think I was going to tell you, and then I, I sidetracked myself, uh, it generates less than one impression per session most of the time, which means that most readers like see most of the ad, but not all of the ad, which means that they probably don't really watch your video. They exit out of it. The universal player on a lot of sites, it creeps, it past two impressions per session and sometimes closer to like 3.8 or four, which means that they're not exiting out of that. It's paying you really well. And then if they want to click to play your video, you're still getting a really high paying CPM there. Plus they're actually watching the video. They pushed the button because they wanted to see what else you had to say um, and how you could help them. Also, please don't worry if you're like frantically trying to scribble all of these instructions down as I narrate them or like trying to, uh, pull them from this presentation, it will be provided with uh, lots of handy links and help articles at the end. Yes. We're not about stress. We're about like candy. No, no stress. 
and coats out of puppies. Like that's it. That's all we're about. Okay. Uh, so Heather, can you give us an idea? I know that it totally varies site to site, but, but basically universal player is universally good for all publishers. like just do it. There's no reason not to. I would agree with that. If you have a lot of international traffic, watch it carefully because the kind of ads that are available to fill can kind of vary depending on where you are. So if you're in a place where there's not a ton of universal player impressions to serve, you know, you may possibly do better with the regular pre-roll video ad, but that's really like the only caveat that I want to throw out there. And then, you know, like what is a lot of international traffic? Cause I've definitely helped publishers with less than 50% us traffic run the universal player. And it was also a nice little money button for them. I mean, the comments about the universal player are rolling in Deanna, our first winner said it's 24% of my income on one site and 29 on the other. Yeah. Like, you can't argue like come on yeah it made a big difference it's been a game changer all of them like just yeah and let me also say like don't freak out if you see the video impressions go down they should right so like your video revenue will go down because the universal player revenue will go up so you got to give it a minute and breathe breathe through it breathe is it so is there any is there any caveat in not turning it on in q4 like should we wait or is it just like go now go do it don't wait like do it today and if you don't we'll probably email you (laughs) <laughs> get, get those dollar bills. Come on, y'all. Yeah, we want to help you make money. Okay, Please. so do a plug-in audit. I promise this is quick and painless and it's it's not hard. And I think a lot of us kind of panic about like, oh my God, how do I audit my plugins? There's a really good blog post that our support engineers painstakingly put together that just tells you, um, you know, how to quickly run through your plugin. So first of all, anything that's deactivated, you can probably trash. If it's not, if it's not active, you're not using it and you probably don't need it. Anything that is out of date or that you can't update or that hasn't had an update in several years, I would be concerned about using that plugin, you know? So if it, if the last update was, you know, in 2018, you should probably find an alternative. But anyway, the, the blog post that support engineers put together, it's really easy to just follow the steps one, two, three, four, um, and just make sure you're not running any junk. You know, do you have anything that is, you know, doing double duty? Do you have two plugins that are doing the same thing? Do you have two caching plugins? You know, like that's stuff that we see a lot and you can't like, there are some things sort of like lazy loading where if you do too much of it, it, it sort of works against you. Um, so if you, if you have several plugins that are trying to do the same job, sometimes you end up doing yourself more harm than good. So, and if you're like me, there are things every season where I'm like, when did I buy this? Like, yes. I think it's the same thing with plugins. Like, what what is this? Yes. That's and also so while we're on the topic of plugins, can I just like uh, issue like a public service announcement about plugins? Please don't just click update all and then, you know, like hope it's going to be fine. If you have a bunch of plugins that need to be updated, you know, because a lot of times they'll all issue releases kind of close together. So you'll log in and you'll have like seven things that need to be updated. Please just take the five minutes to do them one at a time so that you know where things went wrong if one of them updates and it goes kind of south. I know I've had that happen with Yoast a time or two. You know, I went to went to update the premium version and it got mad at me because I didn't update the regular version first and I updated the regular version and something else got mad at me and I wouldn't have known what was causing the problem if I hadn't just pushed the buttons one at a time. Love that. And, and it... It's, it's a lot like 
you sometimes just want the thing to check off your to-do list, but, but yes. make this, separate this one out, separate this yes. one out. Okay. Our second winner is Krissa Duran. Her movie that keeps her up at night, the spooky movie is Scream. And I want to ask Heather this question too. What is a spooky, scary Halloween movie that you know is going to make it hard for you to sleep and or maybe have to leave that closet light on? I think we answered this question in a meeting a couple of weeks ago. And for me, it is it. So I never saw the new version, Stephen King's Ed. But the, like the original that was aired on television, I watched it when I was in like the fourth grade and now I've dated myself, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> Morticia is eternal. Okay. Morticia is eternal. <laughs> anyway, I was terrified of the bathroom for literal months, but I still think like, I, I don't like creepy clowns with giant sharp teeth that like send balloons out of the sewer. Steer clear. No, um, I will say that I went through like about a year period where we were watching, like me and my best friend decided we were going to watch all the scary movies that we'd never mm -hmm. been allowed to watch. We were like 12 or 13. And it, that moment when the picture winks, like I peed, like I swear to you, I did. When the little kid was like, I'm like, yeah. I mean, I swear it, I crawled out. Of it. it was so unexpected. Uh, and Tim Curry is just a master as Pennywise. Come on. Yes. Yeah. It was, it was creepy. And I think it never left me. And it was one of those movies that made you want to like go into the bathroom with a broom and like poke at the shower curtain, you know? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, I, so the last one that we saved was mine is the exorcist. And the last one that we saved, we begged our parents. My mom was straight up like, that scarred me when I saw it in the theater and she, I don't want you to watch it, but if you want to watch it, go ahead. We made it about 45 minutes in and both of us were about to cry and we're like, we're turning it off and I've never gone back and I'm okay with it. Yeah. I'm also okay with it. Okay. So increase your recipe card frequency. Uh, this is another one of those things where, especially if you're using a way for your readers to jump, you know, you, you want to make sure that they're jumping to uh, something that's actually going to make you money. Um, otherwise, why are you spending all your time creating this content? So your recipe card frequency, you don't want to go wild, but the good news is that our default, our default settings, uh, just like our in-content settings, are never going to let you go super wild. Um, my best recommendation is to make sure that you have an ad on either side of the ingredients. And then we also have options in the dashboard for you to adjust your actual frequency and in your instructions. And so if you have a beverage recipe where you only have a few little short lines of how to, how to make a drink, like you're probably going to only have, you know, one ad after the instructions there. Um, cause our script wrapper is super smart and it figures things out. But if you have a tutorial for a really intense, you know, bread recipe, or if you're using, you know, your how to or DIY card where you've got really long detailed instructions for how to, you know, build a workbench or paint something or, you know, um, craft something, obviously those are like not things that I do very often, um, but <laughs> how to do your makeup like Cruella de Bill. You know, that would be a really amazing tutorial. And I feel like you might should have, write about it. I might, hey, I was, I, there were some masterful <laughs> ones already out there that I was, I was copying mm -hmm. from. Mm -hmm. um, but if, if your instructions get a little long, you want to make sure that there are ads. Yeah. Get monetized for that. So Kippy Kim Gail O'Hearn said, let's mm -hmm. talk word uh, WP recipe card for crafts. Is that okay? What does Google think of cards for crafts, recipe cards for crafts, which um, I think the general advice is don't lie to Google. And if you mark up your crafts as 
uh, recipe, then you're putting recipe schema out there for something that is not food. So it'll probably work against you. Um, I get like the, the want to do that because, you know, it formats things really pretty, but most recipe cards also have a DIY option, you know, like a how-to option. And so make sure that you're using, make sure you're outputting the right schema. If you're going to use a card that's going to format things really pretty for you. Um, that's and really speaking important. of that schema, Kippy was also asking WP recipe card versus Mediavine create card, which I mean, are we really asking me this? My answer is create. <laughs> Honestly, I've used create since before. I think we really like talked about create, uh, you know, um, I was my, my website was with Mediavine, uh, before I worked here and because I really just like everything that we do. So as soon as Create was available for us to test it on our own sites, I installed it. I started importing my recipes. I put together some DIY posts so that I could talk to people in an educated manner when we go to conferences that are not food related. Um, and so, um, yeah, I, I think uh, Create is gonna do it faster. The user interface is better. And there are also some really cool create options that are coming soon. So I don't want to like give away any fun surprises, but I will say that create, create gets cooler all the time. So I would, I would choose create, but yeah, definitely toggle if you're going to do DIY, regardless of the card that you're using um, and you know, which option you're more comfortable with, make sure that you're putting out the right schema for that card. And then for our, go ahead, Jenny. Sorry. Well, I was just going to say how to schema didn't exist until create mm -hmm. gave an option for it. So, so this is, it's specifically designed for other than food, because we knew that the problem we were solving was that how to and craft bloggers were, were putting non-food recipes into recipe cards. Mm -hmm. And that's why create it, it's way more than just food. It is way more than just food. And I think we I think we navigated all of those little how to and list and all of the cool options for schema to be put out into the world. I think we we did those first and we did them really well. And then for those of you that are not running like, you know, where you would not need any kind of instructional, you know, instructional content, um, you know, where you don't have a recipe card, you don't have a how to card, you know, that's like not not your jam, you know, maybe you have a travel site or you write about science or kids or, you know, a whole ton of other things. There are fun little things that you can try a couple times a year. And one of them is in image ads. So if you're just looking for like a like a settings button that you can push and, and increase your earnings in Q4, we work with Gum Gum. They're a partner that bids in uh, a lot of ad spaces on our websites. But one of the things that they've done since we've partnered with them is in image ads. Um, if you have images on your website, it's a really easy way to just turn that on. And the spend is really good in Q4. They have really good campaigns and we can also tailor it for you. So if you want to, uh, well, we can't, but gum gum can. Um, <laughs> so if you want to skip the first image or you, you don't want it on every image, that's a request that we can put in for you. Um, and gum gum will make that happen. So if you just want to kind of like dip your toes into the in image ads waters and see how it goes, but they have really good campaigns. They have really good CPMs um, and it can add a meaningful amount to your RPM if you turn it on at the right time of year. You can always kind of like gauge whether or not it's worth it to be running those. If you look not in the ad unit breakdown, I can't think of what it's called. I think it's the Mediavine ad partner breakdown on the dashboard, but it will say Mediavine ads, 
gum gum and image ads, it's really easy to see how much gum gum is adding to your overall RPM. Love it. Always trying to find that balance between monetization and user experience. Yes. Next slide, opt in to grow. You'll notice that we're not calling it grow.me on this slide, but <laughs> you'll know it in your dashboard as grow.me. Um, so we have a, a couple of grow options. We have grow social pro, and then we have grow.me. Grow is the overarching theme here. Uh, we want you to grow your subscribers. We want you to grow your readership. We want you to grow your traffic. Um, we also want you to grow uh, your access to your readers' first-party data because at some point somebody is going to enforce some very serious privacy laws, um, and we don't know what those are going to look like. So just because Google pushed that timeline out doesn't mean we get to like cover our faces and, and <laughs> pretend it's not going to happen. Um, you have readers now. You have users now. You have people that subscribe to your lists and your site and your social channels. And, you know, they're coming to you for all kinds of things now. And if you opt in to grow in your dashboard now, you can make more money. You don't have to wait. You know, if you have a lot of iOS traffic, it's already a good option for you to monetize that traffic where we're not using third-party cookies because they're they're just not hanging out over there. It, it can make a meaningful difference. But also Grow is just a really cool engagement tool that will help you grow your traffic. And if you're looking, I can say this from experience on the Mediavine website, if you're looking for just a way to just see if Grow is working, just try it. Just try one feature, turn mm -hmm. on Spotlight, subscribe for your email. Mm -hmm. Just do it. Yes. Like I, I cannot, I cannot emphasize this enough. What a difference it has made on the Mediavine website. It is an incredibly brilliant way to get subscribers without mm -hmm. an annoying pop-up. So please, just turn it on, give it a shot, see what happens. You've got nothing to lose. What do you have to lose? It's easy. And we add new features all the time. So I think sometimes there's some confusion about what Grow actually is. And we have blog posts about it. But if we just break it down really simple, it's an engagement suite, right? So not every single tool that is available in Grow is going to be the best fit for every single site. You know, but the, the whole point of it is for there to be a whole bunch of options for you to choose from. Because one or two of them is probably going to work for you. It's probably going to work for your readers. And keep an eye on things because we're always adding new things. And, you know, in another month, there might be another feature that you want to turn on. Um, and the idea is that we just keep building on those opportunities to collect first party data from your reader, keep them engaged. And the other idea is that we're developing this product together as we go. And we yeah. need you guys to tell us what is working for your readers. Tell us what you, and then, and then in addition, tell us what features you think might work. What would entice them to log in? What would entice them to do all those things? That's what we're looking for. We need that so that when Google finally does pull the plug, we'll already be sitting pretty with a lot of first party data. So yeah, that's, that's what we're going for. And I will say that when you have feedback, when you guys have a good idea or you want to make sure that, you know, like you want to let us know how you're using something or you think it might be a little better if you adjusted it in some way, make sure you email us that feedback. I see a lot of it try to land in the Facebook group. If I moderated you away, I apologize. It was definitely me. Um, but <laughs> it's because I want it to, you know, if it's in the Facebook group, it's not in a place where we can do anything with 
with it. So I want to make sure that all of those good ideas get into support's hands so that they can hand it off to our product team so that we can make sure that your good ideas get filtered up to engineers and we can put some of them into action for you. We have got, we actually asked what uh, the favorite Halloween costume was of years past, and we've been getting a lot of incredible suggestions. We've got one, but Andrea Jansen was quick on the draw with Dracula. So she's our next winner. Andrea, email marketing at mediavine.com and we will get you your prize pack. But I'm going to read some of these costumes out because they're just so cool. We've got zombies, scarecrow. Somebody was a Rubik's cube, which I really want to see. That sounds amazing. Um, We've got ET. We've got Slimer from Ghostbusters, Annie, witches. so good. I know. Listen to this one. In college, Linda Smith said, in college, friends and I went as the night sky, dark clothes, tons of tiny gold star stickers. I love that's so creative yes Um, my mom dressed me up as a bag of jelly beans and she (laughs) she blew up a bunch of multicolored balloons and put them in like a clear plastic bag and just cut out holes for my arms and legs and tied it with a bow around around my neck that's adorable i thought it was really cool (laughs) it's a really cool costume um Mm -hmm. I think so. My favorite, I think, was the year um, it was in college, and I dressed up as the bride from Kill Bill. So I had the yellow tracksuit with the, and I put the black, and I had the samurai sword. Yes, that was yes, that was fun. It was a lot of fun. All right, we have some people that are requesting or are making comments that Xavier is too expensive. They need web hooks for grow. Um, that's definitely some feedback that we can we can take in, and we appreciate you um, sharing that. I like us. this feedback. I like yes. it a lot. And also, please do keep your eyes peeled on the Mediavine space. Um, those of you who are already fans of Spotlight, subscribe. And those of you who might be waiting to use it, there are some pretty cool things coming. And I think it's pretty darn soon. So just mm-hmm. sit tight for a minute. And we will we have some um, great developments from our incredible product team. So stand by. Oh, this is my favorite slide. <laughs> <laughs> I know you guys are tired of seeing this um, or hearing it or you want to roll your eyes at me, Um, but I'll tell you, it's like a a fruitless effort. It's never going to make you feel better and it's never really going to let you know how well you are performing Um, because even if Jenny and I have sites running the same theme and we write similar content, people are going to navigate our content differently. So let's say we're running the same thing, the, the same theme, and we both write about baked goods and we have the exact same settings. Jenny and I still have different readers and and they're going to use my site differently than they're going to use Jenny's site. And we're all going after the same, you know, different keywords. And even if we were going after the same keywords, you know, the way that I dispense information is going to be different than the way Jenny does. And, and that goes for all of you. So RPM is just a math equation. It happens after your traffic has already come and gone. It happens after the advertisers have already spent what they're going to spend. So yes, RPM is an important metric, but my RPM compared to Jenny's RPM is a useless metric. <laughs> it's not, Jenny's RPM is not going to help me because what you really want to know, if we're, if we're talking about increasing RPM, we're talking about increasing revenue. So what you want to know is how to make more, you, you want to make, you want to figure out how to make more money with your own content. You can't make more money with Jenny's content, or I can't, Jenny can, but (laughs) 
So you want to compare your year-over-year progress, but you also want to use, we have a lot of really good help articles about to, you know, how to use your page level data to get you to the right place, um, to help you understand how to make more money. Um, circling back to that viewability slide way at the beginning, high viewability means high CPMs. And if you have high CPMs, you can make more money by running fewer ads. So, you know, you can't learn about your own viewability by worrying about Jenny's RPM or I can't, I say you, me, me. I can't learn about, <laughs> I can't learn how to improve my viewability and make advertisers spend more on my content by looking at Jenny's site. I can only use the data in my dashboard to figure out, well, how are my readers using my content and how can I make that better? And how can I make more than I did last year? And, you know, what changes should I be, you know, making to my own site and my own content that are going to help me to balance money and user experience and get myself to the revenue goals that I have set. Sorry, I got distracted. I was reading no, about no, that's the okay. And I'll put that up. Yes. <laughs> so we got as the editor of two sites, one has a way higher RPM, but the one with the lower RPM is still up 52% year to date mm -hmm. versus last year. That's huge. Yeah, that is huge. And then also, you know, like uh, location makes a difference, right? Um, but also the kind of recipes that you're running and the kind of content, you know, the kind of travel content that you're putting out there. Maybe you write a post where people are only searching when they're like, where do I eat in, you know, this random city in Slovenia? Well, that's a useful piece of information, right? But the RPM for that post is probably going to be kind of low, right? So you have to figure out how to balance it. You can't just look at the overall number. You have to say, well, I'm really good at telling people like where to eat in this particular little city, right? But this post isn't monetizing well. So how can I, how can I pivot and use the content that I already have and build on it? Um, and you can't figure that out by looking at other people's site or worrying about whatever their numbers are today. Can I pop a can of worms real quick? Yeah. Um, how does that, how does not comparing RPMs, a lot of times I see when people are thinking about different companies, guys, and we're going to, you know, spoiler, there are competitors. There are people who do, who offer similar services. Than are there? We do. Are there? I mean, <laughs> I have to say that. I think we're incomparable and I think some other people do too. And we prove that every day, but but what is the, how does not comparing RPMs factor into that? Because a lot of times I'll see like my RPM on October 15th was this. And somebody else will say, well, I'm at company X and my RPM was this mm -hmm. in a vacuum. How does all that happen? I mean, does that even make sense? Sometimes uh, well, no, it doesn't make sense because if, if, uh, if you are running ads with, you know, if we say my company and Jenny's company, right, we don't have the same technology. We don't have the same approach to advertising. Um, but again, we also still don't have the same websites, right? And, and so, you know, trying to compare different sorts of technology, um, it's, it's not going to get you the right answer. I think it also doesn't let you ask the right questions, which is, you know, like we're talking about RPM, but what we really want is to make more money with, you know, the content that we, with the content that we have. So if you're 
only taking the top level number and you're only looking at RPM, you're not looking at how much advertisers are actually spending on your content. You're not looking at how many ads you're actually serving to get there. You're not looking at whether or not you're passing core web vitals so that you can continue to grow your business. You're not looking at your long-term goals for the content that you're going to create. I just, there's too many factors to consider for things to hinge on one number. It's an important number. I wouldn't count it out. Um, you know, it is a really good metric for you to say, well, like, how much I'm, am I making relative to my traffic? But it also does not factor in, like, how much am I making relative to my traffic when everybody that came to my site yesterday was in France? Yeah. So and then also uh, it's important. So October 15th, year over year, remember year over year, you're going to shift a day. So instead of just comparing year over year, I like to make sure that I'm comparing the same day last year. So if October 15th is a Tuesday this year, it's probably a Monday last year or a, or a Sunday, right? So if you're comparing a Tuesday to a Sunday, Sunday is always going to be higher. Um, so, I mean, it's Sunday is, is a really good day for most websites. Um, and then Monday is always a bummer when things crash down, right? So you don't want to compare Monday to Sunday because it's not an accurate representation. Advertisers spend more on the weekend when people are more engaged with the content and the internet. Things change on Monday. We all go to work. We're worried about coffee and emails and, and uh, you know, we're not as worried about how to build a raised bed garden. I mean, I worry about that every day. It's just a continuous <laughs> cycle of fear and worry for me. I'm trapped in a worry cycle of a raised bed garden. Um, the, the, the last thing I wanted to ask about this was this also factors into seasonality. So for instance, if somebody, if, if company X told me you're going to make 21% more when you come here, but you're going to come in Q4, isn't everyone going to make 20% more in a month? If you don't make 20% more in the next, like before the end of November, like please email support because something is terribly wrong. Um, first of all, 20% increase is actually not that much when you're just looking at incremental RPM. If you look at the month of October so far, so like if you change the date range in your dashboard and you say like October 1st to the 25th, you've probably already seen a 20% increase this month. And then things may dip a little the first week of November, but probably not that much because November, um, November is typically one of the highest months of the year and December. And so like your RPM is going to go up. It's just going to just like it's going to go down the first week of January. It's super predictable. Um, our VP of ad operations put together a really cool blog post and our marketing team put together a really amazing visual aid and they share it in little bits and pieces, you know, every month um, so that you can kind of know like what days are the best. And I've seen people in the Facebook group talk about how they, you know, plan their marketing around that calendar and they sort of decide when they're going to promote things, which I think is amazing. Um, but it's also really good to just be like, oh yeah, yesterday was kind of a goldy yellow day. It wasn't a teal day. Let me not freak out, you know? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that it's broken. Like it, it right. doesn't mean that something shocking has happened. Uh, it just means that you're, see, the ads right. are Right, the day after a holiday, expect it to go down a little, unless that holiday is Thanksgiving, in which case it probably went up. Okay, our last Rapple winner was Laura Sampson. It's not Rapple. She, we asked them what the spookiest place you've ever visited is, and she said Notre Dame, which is, a, I would love to go to there. Uh, spookiest place um, you've ever visited, Morticia, other than your own home. Uh, I mean, my home is pretty spooky. Um. <laughs> it's true. 
The caged creatures have been quiet the whole time, though, so we're doing okay. So good. I don't know that I've really visited too many spooky places. I did a like a haunted walking tour and in uh, Edinburgh, Scotland, and that was really cool. Nice. Yeah, it was like a ghost tour with cemeteries and lots of spooky things. Also, lots of terrible things happened there, so it's kind of creepy. I think places definitely, I was, I remember being at the tower in London and feeling like, just kind of like a weight. Like, yeah, you're like, like oh, a very, oh, look, that's where <laughs> Anne Boleyn. Okay. Well, this is awkward. And we like, it just makes you feel, yeah, I, I did a, I was in a, I was in a hearse ghost tour in Savannah Ooh. and that was a little bit, it was fun. It was good. I, 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 I like haunted things though. I'm going to put that on my list of things I need to do. It's fun. And I'm going to wear this outfit. I, I think it would be wrong if you didn't. I agree. <laughs> Wrong and illegal. Um, so I put together a whole new help article that's going to be linked in this presentation, but it's about how to count your ads. Um, I think this is kind of confusing for people. They think that if they're scrolling through their blog post and they're counting ads, one, two, three, four, five, as they see them, they think, well, again, you know, we talked about readers don't use your site the same way that you use your site. But when you count your ads like that, you're actually not counting ads, you're counting ad slots. At Mediavine, we don't fill at 100%. And we also tailor the experience to every single user. So again, the way that I read is going to be different than the way that Jenny reads. Um, if I want to read everything you wrote, and if Jenny wants to click the highlights in your table of contents and just skip around and get what she needs so she can get out of here because she's the busy lady. <laughs> puppies, puppies to find and kill. Right. And I'm busy. Um, <laughs> so many puppies. You know, the the amount of ads that Jenny is served is going to be really different than the amount of ads that I'm served. And that's okay because we're consuming the content differently. Um, so it's important to know where to look in your dashboard to figure out how many ads you are serving. Um, again, that ad unit breakdown is really your friend. Uh, pro tip, if you take the total number of impressions and divide by the total number of page views, um, you get the average number of impressions that you're running per page. And those impressions include everything, right? So it's not just the in-content ads that you are looking at right this minute, but it's, you know, your sidebar ads and it's the adhesion unit that refreshes and it's the recipe card ads. It's the universal player that you forgot about because it's so small and um, unobtrusive hanging out in the bottom corner there. <laughs> Can I just say, who says that about video ads? Like, that's just magic to me. Like my unobtrusive video ads before now, mm -hmm. like, come on, that's just magical. Way to go. But don't ruin my user experience and also don't make my site slow. They're pretty And terrific. make me a buku bucks. Like, come on. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So make sure that you're just looking at those overall impressions. And then also you can look at your page level breakdown. It will tell you the uh, number of impressions that you are serving per page view. That's a really good place to sort of survey the situation and see how many impressions you're running um, and where. I know that on my own site for the posts where I'm running the most impressions, those are also the posts that tend to be the most detailed tutorials. So it doesn't mean that I have, you know, 25 or 30 ad slots. It means that somebody was hanging out there long enough for probably two or three of those units to refresh several times, right? Or they needed to scroll back up and read my detailed instructions somewhere. Or maybe they watched Tell your me video. more about those biscuits. Yeah. Scroll up, scroll up, scroll up, scroll up. <laughs> yeah. 
Or, you know, if you give somebody a directive in your, you know, instructions at the end of the post, you know, we say always like save the good stuff for the end of the post. And that is still, you know, accurate. You always, you don't want to give away the goods in the first, you know, paragraph or you probably didn't serve any ads. Um, <laughs> make sure that you're not looking at that top level number and, and being like, oh, well, that seems like too many. Go to the post, look at it on your phone hit the jump button, hit the table of content, scroll around, see if you can experience it like a user, not like your content creator self. And I got a sneak peek at the counting your ads help article. And it is so helpful. I learned so much just reading it. It's, it's such a good comprehensive way to understand how that works. Cause it's hard to get the difference between it is, in, especially in if you have a lots and yeah. And one reader coming at you saying, there are zillions of ads on your post. I mean, it doesn't happen often, but- By the way, that reader is probably just mad about your pop-up that you forgot about. Okay, guys, you will see here on the presentation that we have come to the final slide, which is our resource slide. And then we're gonna start, let's start sharing those links. It is super exciting. Everything's there that you need to make sure that you are getting all of these treats, no tricks for, um, Q4 this year. I want to go ahead and say one more time, congratulations to our readers, Deanna Hill, Krista Duran, Andrea Jansen, and Laura Sampson. So please make sure all four of you email in to marketing at mediavine.com so we can get you your prizes. Heather, last question for you. I'm going to make a quick announcement and then we'll come back to that. But what are, give us a couple of action items that you want people to go do like right now or this week to make sure okay. that they're capitalizing. Okay. So guys, for our next Teal Talk, it's going to be a little bit of a wait. It's actually Tuesday, November 16th at 1 p.m. Eastern. The reason for the wait is that we have a guest, uh, Paul Buckhouse, the head of creator relations at Google is going to be here. And he's going to talk about Google for content creators. It's going to be pretty exciting. We're very, 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 very ready for it. So um, mark your calendars, do it now. You will have the head of creator relations at Google on a live talking to you. Heather, this has been so much fun. Morticia, yes. it's always a pleasure. Please give me your action items. I think that the very first thing I would tell you to do is if you are not running the universal player, uh, please use the help article that we linked uh, in the presentation um, and here in the live and make sure you get your settings right. Um, if you're not sure or you need help monitoring, we will help you. But it's pretty simple to set up that the help article has pictures and everything. I know I like to read the instruction and do the action. Um, <laughs> that's how I roll. Um, so I hope it's helpful for you. Um, the second thing that I would say is make sure that you uh, go forth and you Use your website like a reader, not like a blogger, right? So um, go to your top posts that are trending this time of year. Go to your top posts that were trending in November last year. Look at them on your phone or use DevTools on mobile. Use an incognito window so you can spot things that are cached for you, like email opt-ins that you forgot about. And then just push the buttons. Make sure the links work. Make sure that the experience is what you want it to be. Um, and if you need help adjusting your settings, then email us because we want you to make a lot of money. It's the time of the year when everybody's on your site. So make sure they're yeah. having the best experience that they can. Yes, 100%. It has been wonderful, guys. We have linked the presentation everywhere so you can grab it. Heather is going to send the presentation out to Mediavine Publishers, right which is exciting. We are also going to be sharing some of these wonderful tips 
for uh, on different social media. So follow us around. Congratulations to our winners and come back on Tuesday, November 16th, 1 p.m. for um, the head of creator relations, Paul Bukowski from Google. Everybody else, happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. On Air is brought to you by Mediavine. If you're creating amazing and original content, we are here to help. From ad management with maximum earnings and 24-7 support to cutting-edge WordPress plugins, our team has your back. Want free tips in your inbox? Subscribe to our newsletter at mediavine.com slash subscribe. If you're a Mediavine On Air fan, and why wouldn't you be, please give us your five-star rating love and subscribe wherever you're listening.